0: 10. And we're live, as I dilly-dally a little bit. Hello and welcome to the Wrestling Headlines Raw Review. My name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and we are live here on YouTube and also in podcast form. Links in the description or head over to WrestlingHeadlines.net. And this is a review for a very mediocre raw... Mmm. Lovely milk-warm tea. (laughs) And I'm fully aware I'm live at midnight and if my impact starts in one hour. So... Hopefully, <laughs> with Impact and that, I can, be get, I can get through Raw before Impact starts, and uh, the, I, I know a lot of people want to watch Impact, so it makes sense to get this out definitely before that actually airs, so go straight into it all, whatever. Uh, most people listen to the show in post anyway. Uh, and uh, so the question of today's show is, will Seamus turn on Drew McIntyre at TLC? Specifically at TLC for... Or they're, they're teasing that scenario of, would he turn on him? and immediately into the chat, that like, no imp, they're best friends, even they did, though they did the backstage brawl. So yeah, uh, I saw the backstage ball as a, well we'll get to it when it uh, properly happens, but I don't know, actually, it's a topic, let's bloody talk about it. So they had their, there was a three and two handicap match during the show and uh, Drew Back Time and Sheamus teamed up to face The Miz, John Morrison and AJ Styles, who was joined by the now donned Omos, because Omo Bahin, just impossible to pronounce, ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. But I can say it, it's not that difficult, <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, so they were in a handicap match. And Miz and Morrison earlier on in the show, there was Miz TV, of which they had on AJ Styles. And for the second week in the row, they were pushing the idea of Sheamus turning Andrew McIntyre because Seamus has passed, it's like the most predictable thing to happen next. And so, AJ Styles went on Miz TV. A first note. Did you know that Omar Behin is big? Uh, but AJ Styles was confident about becoming WWE champion. All three of them fully aware of the opportunity they've got tonight to properly weaken the champion. And for me, that is where most of them pushing the story of Sheamus turning on Drew McIntyre comes from. Because if they can get Sheamus to turn on Drew McIntyre, in terms of like keeping it in kayfabe, why, why is the Miz pushing this story? Well, it's because if he can get Sheamus to turn on Drew McIntyre, then he can cash in money in the bank. Drew McIntyre outnumbered four to one. Sheamus would be like one person too many for Drew McIntyre to get... Oh, I've got an eyelash. (laughs) It would be one person too many for Drew McIntyre to be able to handle. So, makes sense. But Sheamus is constantly standing up, like, no, I'm not going to turn. This is different this time. He is my friend. And uh, I would say, in the segment that brought out Sheamus, John Morrison and the Miz, with awful (laughs) Scottish and Irish accents, (laughs) role-playing Sheamus' ultimate turn on his friend. I mean, the accents were like... Part of the point, they thought they were fantastic, but when, you know, the people whose voices they were doing come out, you are like, yeah, yeah. They're awful. <laughs> uh, Sheamus walked out having none of that nonsense. It's just like, yeah. But of course, he wasn't by himself, as out came the champion himself to join him. Uh, they did the normal WWE big insult now, which is just to call somebody a bitch. For me, it's a bit crap, <laughs> as that is your big insult thing. It's like, mm. No, it doesn't have any effects anymore. Uh, they, they say that Miz, Miz has got no balls, that he's not brave, it, and it's conti- he's not brave in continuously standing up to face them in the face of constant defeat. Highlight of this segment, and possibly the night, <laughs> was after all of that Miz Morrison ran away up the ramp. Uh, but Drew had the Money in the Bank briefcase and absolutely launched that bugger all the way from the ring to the titantron, hitting the banner that's underneath the screen. <laughs> just absolute highlight of a what I would call a mediocre roar. Drew launching that briefcase at, at an Olympic level. <laughs> like Jesus Christ, that was so impressive. Uh, yeah, I just really wanted to note on that. But the whole, this is for another consecutive week. The Miz and John Morrison pushing that story of Sheamus would turn on Drew McIntyre because that's what Sheamus has done in the past, and he said, "Well, we're not buying this fact that." Your friends. So this time it's different. You're shameless, You're going to turn on him, and that's why the Miz and John Morrison pushing. But again, the reason I I really like this story is it. it as a fan, you watch it go. It's WWE. He's going to turn on him uh, every time in WWE, and as a tag team, and they, they push this sort of thing, they will turn on him every single time. So they can use that our expectancy that that will happen and use it against us. But the thing I the reason I really like it is the man pushing it the most in the Miz. He's got a reason to do so. And I I really like... this. It's not just them pushing it because the story has to... Like you have to have those notes put in there for the eventual Drew McIntyre-Sheamus match. They're like, yes, those notes are there. But from the Miz's point of view, he's generally got reasons to do it. His own selfish agenda to become champion, use money in the bank. So yeah. it, it As a world thing that's happening, it makes sense. It doesn't feel like plot point to push the plot forward is like no it make to me it feels like this is what that character would do and Seamus being long-term fans of Drew McIntyre they're taking the time to sell that over as well and in terms of TLC there was the combustible element I guess but it was one of those where once we get to the afterwards segment when I talk about it in more detail where Seamus kind of knew what Drew McIntyre like getting the anger out uh hashing it and hashing it out via a fight then they go and have a drink <laughs> they they talked about that kind of nature about the way that their relationship works constantly, but now they're showing it us, and that's often a step WWE miss. They'll tell you about it, but they're not show it you, and now or they'll show it you. Then months later, it's in hindsight type of thing. This is telling us than showing us, and the fact that they're for me personally not doing the turn at TLC, for me that would be wise. But also, if you do the turn at TLC, you've got a big angle for Drew at the Royal Rumble. Ah, oh, but he has to stay champion. God, I didn't think about it. Anyway, in terms of the handicap match, love the start with Drew straight up punching Morrison flat to the mat. <laughs> like right off the bat, boom, advantage gone. Morrison's down. <laughs> I love that. Miz um, and Morrison did not fare that well against the duo of the British Isles. Uh, AJ more than happy to let the two take the punishment, only tagging in for a short time with a few punches at an opportune moment. And Miz and Morrison, eventually able to chop Seamus down with cheating and whatnot, finally able to take advantage of something as the numbers caught up with the Irishman, drew on the apron all angry, like amping up for that hot tag, a raining Scottish fire and cleaning house as soon as it came. Morrison was set for a receipt of the Claymore, but Miz made the save. AJ Styles with a cheeky illegal kick behind the rest back, but a nice note was Sheamus immediately being there to help. Tagging in, clobbering everybody down in sight, running just as hot as the champion did earlier, until Morrison ducked and Drew caught the bro kick. It's like, oh, I like that, like, Sheamus' intentions from minute one of tagging in were so true and so mirroring Drew that I thought it was like really, really smart way to go with it. Uh, lost in that moment of accidentally kicking his mate, Seamus soon found himself on the end of a Phenomenal Forearm and taking the pin, uh, the champion staring all grumpy eyes as the sad Irishman is in the ring, all apologetic, and AJ Styles, opportunistic once again. So it's telling that story that AJ Styles with a Phenomenal Forearm has been opportunistic, like seizing on an opportunity, (laughs) I did not need to, I've over explained it now, (laughs) AJ Styles seized on an opportunity in every single one of his matches since Survivor Series, Uh, it's a little evolving thing, meaning when shenanigans happen, we will expect AJ Styles to fly in with a phenomenal forearm and either he does nail it because he set up that he does that, or because he set up that he does that, Drew McIntyre also sees it, just like we will predict it would happen, so does Drew McIntyre. And that's something they've done really well with Drew this year, is when they build up an expectancy of this is how a thing goes down, they're like, no, Drew's seen it just as the fans have. Like, this character is just as aware of this thing happening. Therefore, he counters it. So, and it makes him seem like a really smart, like, hero champion. Which has been a massive issue of WWE this past half decade. Is making their hero faces look like idiots. Because, like, we the fans can predict a thing is going to happen and, be, and the hero falls for it. That makes the hero feel a bit dumb when you do that. Drew McIntyre, they fixed that. So, in terms of... In terms of TLC, the story they're pushing is the Miz is and Morrison are trying to get Sheamus to turn again for their own advantage. AJ Styles also would, perfect, would much rather face the Miz for the championship. <laughs> like that little unspoken little rule there, uh, little thing there with AJ Styles. It's like why, well, why would AJ want the Miz to become champion? It's because he's a much easier wrestler to defeat. <laughs> like he reckons he could beat him, but that's never spoken. The Miz sees him as on his side, it's like, oh no, we're baddies together. That's why AJ's all fine with me becoming champion. It's like, no, I like, I like the little hidden, little behind, behind what's actually happening there with those guys. Like they're not. It's more like the fr- enemy of my enemy is my friend, rather than AJ Styles and The Miz are best fr- besties. As soon as Sheamus and Drew came out um, with TV, AJ just skidded out of the ring. <laughs> Did not care about Miz and, Miz, and Miz and safety. Like he's number one, taking care of himself ahead as he'll see. But. In terms of Sheamus turning on them, we then got the after segment, which is like the big moment of it of, oh, is this the combustible element that we're seeing? Not really. Uh, Sheamus backstage all prepared for a bro fight with Drew, like, he knows what comes next. Even though it was unintentional, even like making sure both are fully aware it was unintentional at the moment, there's that heat between them and the best way for best mates to hash out such beef. It's just to of each other, <laughs> beat the crap out of each other. Uh, after the we returned from break and the two lads were clobbering each other all over the back, all over Pat Buck's blue plaid shirt suit, <laughs> both very quickly turning to beating him up instead. And uh, they, they bond over the kerfuffle and go out for a drink. Yeah. So yeah, it's... It's teasing it well. Because I feel like they still need to sell that Seamus won't turn. So it depends when you're doing the Drew Sheamus match. If you're doing it at the Royal Rumble, which is my... That's my WWE expectancy. Is they're going for the Rumble, Sheamus turns on him at TLC. But what I want is WrestleMania, therefore he doesn't turn on him at TLC, and we actually get to see them as friends, maybe even in the Rumble itself. I don't know, because Drew McIntyre be champion that way. But yeah, for me, Sheamus not turning on Drew... Is a bit a better story because again, one of the things I've bringing up in my NXT review and I brought up in my NXT column that I posted on Sunday. What did I call it? Uh, incredibly, inco- incredibly inconsequential in comparison is what I call my NXT review. And part of that was it's compared compared to AEW with the with like now we're one year in and we're seeing what they mean by telling a longer term story. Compared to WWE, where things last months or like half a year at most, most of the time, if they are a year, they're dropped for half of it, and then you only get your build from like Survivor Series to WrestleMania, as happens quite often. And after WrestleMania, more often than not, things dropped, characters move on. The thing with that AEW doing is like these arcs last their whole careers, and it's the dynamics of relationships continue to change and flow in such a. Di- uh, I was going to use dynamic way again. (laughs) I said dynamic twice in that sentence. Completely from my point a bit. But what I would like to see WWE do is is take that on a little bit. To get over Drew and Sheamus' relationship together, you don't need to blast through this story. And if anything, the whole thing loses a lot of the weight if you just blast through it. If you at least have TLC where they're friends, then it has so much more weight to it when they do break up later. Because we're only just starting to see them as friends. And the first month we see them, as in like in the ring, not just backstage uh, giving us exposition. Actually seeing it in front of us. And my full doobie doobie expectancy is is normally whenever they tease a thing happening, and the guy's like, no, 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 it's not going to happen. It happens within a month. (laughs) And personally, I would use that expectancy against me make me think it's gonna happen, but then don't do it, and then at least have another month of Sheamus and Drew still being friends or whatever, and maybe Seamus not winning the rumble can like, cause that spark in him, whilst Drew's the big champion or whatever, have him lose at the next pay per view, uh, like a big moment to create that spark rather than teasing it, then it happens. Like we, if we actually see a character moment create that trigger, again, an example of AEW with Hangman Page. Where we're seeing all the pieces laid down which will cause him to kind of turn against his friends. Or the friends turn against him at least. Like all the all the pieces are in play for that to feel natural and for that angst to build up. And you can, it feels really, really natural when there is that clash between them. Uh, compared to WWE where I'm fully expecting that TLC for it to happen. Shouldn't, for me. Uh, continue this. What they're doing now is perfect. It's just because of like past stuff. <laughs> That's why I think like that. So yeah, I need to move on because I need to get through this show within the next 40 minutes. <laughs> so, I'm going to go through the show in order from here. But I did just I did just wanted to make the point of I feel like they're telling the story pretty really well for WWE. As in like they've they've given us exposition, but then they're, at, they're showing us. Yeah, yes the rule is show don't tell But they they're at least showing now. So they they're doing the show. <laughs> Which again has been like a critique of mine in the past. And no, there is an actual show here. Like there is a plan which is another criticism of mine for the past five years or so. It's just that there's been... It feels like in the past there's just not been that strong a plan. Hence why things randomly happen. But here it feels like there is something. You've had your weeks of exposition before Survivor Series. Kind of building up their relationship. Now you get to see them on the same page. And other uh, people trying to poke holes while well, you're ashamed, so like, no, no, seriously, we drew it's different. And you're getting that over. It's uh, i just like to see it be that way for a little while. At least to the rumble. Give me Christmas (laughs) At least It's Christmas week You don't have Sheamus 2 on Drew On Christmas week Ah. Ah. Anyway But that is my That's my thoughts on that I feel like they're doing really well I'm just expecting WWE to Like the reason this is being brought up is because This is the arc of the month And then for the Royal Rumble We have Sheamus Drew and some Oh can we? You'd have to not be in the Rumble I've not thought it through <laughs> Again, I just have it continue. Just don't have the title change hands quite yet, but it's WWE, so I'm expecting it to happen. Yeah, that's 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 the, that's the track record kind of thing. That's they don't write. So with AW, they we're, were saying no, we've written like year year or more in advance. Like we know kind of cycles of where we want things to go, and we can change little bits in there. The big point being, you can foreshadow if you know where something is going. It's not this crazy, insane concept. But if you know where something is going and you've written the entire thing, for the like earlier episodes, you can then go in and put little nods to things that are gonna happen down the line. That may not make sense to you at the time, but you can do that because you know where the story's going. So then later on, like, oh crap, oh they did that thing, oh that's awesome. But that's why you don't get that in WWE. They write month to month, if not week to week. And I again I quite like so far with this Seamus Drew thing, it feels like it's going somewhere. I'd like that to be the case. What I just envisioned WWE doing month to month writing, and this month is Seamus turns on Drew. Personally, I just... (laughs) You have, you establish the friendship, you see the friendship, then he turns on Drew. As in, actually have us get attached to them as friends, rather than showing us as friends, then immediate turn. (laughs) Which is, again, it's not New Day Kevin Owens, bad, which was one week, that's the record. (laughs) The record is, yeah we're best friends, next week turn on you, title match. That is the record. So, so he's not done that bad. They've it's, it's not as egregious as last year. But again, that's just what I expect. I wanted to prove me wrong. That's why I'm kind of speaking in this manner. They've nailed it so far for me to a point where, for me, the next note would be just to prove me wrong. Don't do the turn. <laughs> Establish them with a friend. Obviously, do the turn eventually. That match would be amazing. Yeah, That would be a great rivalry, though, yes. Uh, but I personally had to save it for WrestleMania. Don't burn through it at the rumble again. Depending on what they've got, maybe they think that Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus is their big kind of story to like to give Drew McIntyre some weight, whilst he then build up the other guy for WrestleMania. Maybe depends on what they're planning to do. Is Drew McIntyre going to be champion at WrestleMania? Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? To be fair, with like any status of it, we're still in the, still in a pandemic. Like who knows what's going to happen? Anyway, and we're moving to, is it this Friday? It's either this Friday or next Friday. Uh, the are moving out of the Thunderdome and going to the baseball stadium. So, uh, and that's where we'll be through the Royal Rumble. Uh, so a big old stadium. <laughs> very, very big. Anyway, let's go through, we like more in order. But first, a cup of tea. Mmm, half an hour old tea. Lukewarm. Yeah. Anyway, Randy Orton, he kicked off Monday Night Raw, or uh, to give it my full review, a, pr- a pretty mediocre Raw. <laughs> uh, he cuts the promo off, like essentially just going, I'm a baddie that does baddie things that doesn't pretend to not be a baddie. Uh, pretty much was making the point of Bray Wyatt, it's all a facade, and he's not going to fall for any of it. I'm Randy Orton, I know I'm a baddie, I do baddie things, I don't care, I'm a baddie. Uh, personally, not great writing, but it fits his it's the, it's the type of thing his character would say already, so it's been established. It's not... It's the worst example of like writing like this I've seen in WWE. Stephanie McMahon going, basically just shouting out, I'm a baddie that does baddie things, and then that's the reason I'm booking this match. I was <laughs> like, oh, that is crap writing. Uh, but anyway, uh, he'll, Randy Orton will be knocking on the front house door tonight, asking who is going to let me... In. And that nice turnaround of the catchphrase, I enjoyed that. Yeah, Wyatt then pops up onto the screen, Orton made the mistake of using the phrase, You want to play games? As Bray immediately jumped for Dort joy. Games? Did you say games? Uh, enter a funhouse game show called Let's Get Randy. <laughs> As uh, Mercy, Pig and Rabbit compete for the decaying corpse of the friendship frog, oh hello metaphor. <laughs> Answering the question, How will Randy Orton be punished at TLC? Uh, They all guess wrong before Bray lays his warning via the Fiend down. Also, just in terms of the production of this, the audio mixing was at a point where I couldn't really tell what the contestants were saying half the time because the music was just a little bit too loud for me. Uh, Maybe that's just because I was watching it with headphones, maybe it was my headphones, whatever. Anyway, let's move on. I just wanted to make that note. (laughs) It doesn't really matter. It got a point across. It's a silly segment. Uh, Orton then makes his own challenge uh, to go one-on-one with Funhouse Wyatt himself tonight. Uh, Bray's ecstatic at the idea, continuing the question of this rivalry, who is really in control? Both sides uh, just confident that they're the one in control. Or is Bray Wyatt giving the warning of, no seriously, you need to treat The Fiend differently and Randy Orton's just not listening? Which could be the other part of the story. but because Randy Orton shows such confidence of being in control, it's like no, I'm flipping Randy Orton. I you have to treat me differently. Uh, yeah, I like that dynamic. It means we as a viewer, because both sides are like confident and giving warnings and things like you don't know which one's actually in control. So yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, the women's tag team championship, as, just to move on swiftly. Yeah, the two are facing off at TLC, and this was tonight was essentially establishing that the Fiend will be facing Randy Orton at TLC. So you've got that interesting dynamic. But they were in the main event, so I can talk about that, like the last thing of the night. Uh, Women's Tag Team Championship match has been confirmed for TLC. Uh, Jackson Baszler defending against Asuka and Lana, which then led us into our, I guess, preview match, which is uh, what's happening right now. Is In both tag team scenes, you're getting singles matches between the competitors. Both of them. <laughs> and neither set of people are allowed to face anybody else. (laughs) So, get ready to see the same lot over and over and over. Sorry, over and over. Just to put some emphasis on it, it is wrestling. Uh, Two of NXT's greatest women's champions, Asuka and Shayna Baszler, face each other. Uh, Asuka joined by Lana, Shayna Baszler joined by Nia Jax. And, uh, again, two of NXT's greatest women's champions playing second fiddle to Nia Jax and Lana. Okay, that's <laughs> yeah, one of those, put the wrestling nerd brain behind me You watched NXT and got excited at how great those two were. And now I remember what I'm watching, which is WWE. Yeah, so, they're getting, getting lot At least I can say, at least trying to get somebody else over. Because the division just feels so thin. Like, Asuka has no competi- contenders. Which is partly why we're doing this tag team match thing. It's not like last year, where we're getting Kairi Sane, Sasha Banks and uh, Bailey like in awesome matches. It's like, no, they, uh, there's legit no contenders for it, <laughs> and putting them in a programme against them would just do nothing but highlight that. In this here, Asuka's in the background again, and the longer that happens, the bigger a problem it becomes. But, you are building people up, and she can face Nia Jax. For me, the mistake was having her beat Shayna Bazer, but it was done in such a way that Nia Jax, continuing the story of Nia Jax, which I'll get to in a second, uh, but again, to be fair, the Raw division really does have no contenders for Asuka right now. So with Shayna as your strongest bet, I can also see why with this match some fans were a tad upset with this one. A- so I saw people like, on Twitter talk about it before I'd seen the show. So like, mm, I'll keep an eye out for what happens, don't know the context. <laughs> uh, but a lot of folk were calling out for this to be like a big match down the line, and it should be. Uh, But this week they told us, for me, this was them telling us, they're not building to that at all. They are, which is really Jack. I can't tell which which is the bigger thing. It's it's Lana proving herself, and maybe Asuka, you get Asuka Lana, that's the story maybe they go for. But it's Lana proving herself, and Jack's becoming the liability that she's been bullying Lana for being. It's just like you do a flip reversal over the course of time. Again, that's a longer story, which I'm seeing play out, and I just hope I'm not reading too much into it. <laughs> because that's how way I feel like it's naturally going. With Nia Jax constantly costing the match for Shayna Baszler. Eventually Shayna Baszler will start doing to Nia what Nia did to Lana. As Nia Jax has become a liability. And for me, the next part of that is losing the Tag Team Championships. Which does mean Asuka, again, doesn't defend against people. <laughs> but it does mean that you've like done a nice full arc for Lana, Nia Jax, Baszler. Asuka's there as a bit of a pawn. But you can then big her up for WrestleMania season. yeah. Not, every, yeah, I'm fine with that, in a way. It's just that I'm very, very aware that the feels very thin. So, like, <laughs> these moves become something quite important. Uh, this is like, where's the art going? Is it Asuka versus Lana? Uh, Asuka is the awesome champion with no contenders. It's not going to be long till the division feels shallow. So putting them in a bit art like this with multiple swinging... Uh, multiple kind of characters swinging from... Like st- strong counterpoints to them, uh, interactions change everything as my fridge makes a really loud noise for some reason. <laughs> anyway, a decent match between the two, not giving away too much in case they do meet down the line. Uh, Lana again, the cause of distraction, but in particular, Naya Jax being so be- hell bent on destroying the lass that she costs Baser the match yet again. But Shane is getting pinned. Which again, not a massive fan of, but the art they're going for, which is like, because it's also just setting up the title match. It's your normal pin the champion WWE fair. But in this story, it's not Shayna's fault. It's the story on how long will she put up with Nia and I feel like TLC's the, that's the combustible point. TLC, when Nia does it again, but this time they lose the championships because of it, that's when Shayna snaps. And that's when you can have Shayna kind of look awesome and like you were holding me back with th- you being so hellbent on that. I was unable to have this awesome match with Asuka because of you. And she could have faced her if you'd beaten her or all that stuff. You can have Shayna <laughs> give all the reasons. Uh, Jack's continuing to swing into being the liability she initially started punishing Lana for beating. So, yes. Big. For me, that's I like that. It's just that obviously you look at it and you go. Well, what match are you aiming for? Is it Asuka-Lana? As, Ly- as Lana swings into more serious, does Asuka become scared and then turn on Lana and that's that reality thing? It's, they go for an underdog story? Because I can't think of anything else. I mean, like, no other... Re- uh, maybe, like, the big blow of Mandy Rose getting injured maybe changed something? Like, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I can't see any other arc wait and see. Maybe who wins the Rumble completely changes things. Maybe get an NXT call up to face or something. Uh, but right now, all I can see is Ascalana, and I've got no idea where they'll go if they don't do that. <laughs> but again, in terms of the swing of the shape of the division, TLC for me is a big one. And Shayna and Baze are having enough of Nia Jax, I feel like it's the next point. Maybe they stick it together for a bit. Uh, Nia Jax, maybe like to like give him one more chance type of stuff. But eventually, yeah, just have Shane and I have enough. And Nia is now the liability. You've done the full 360, 180, whatever it is. <laughs> whatever the degrees is. Anyway, stay on topic. I've got a show to get through. Uh, Ricochet and Dana Brooke uh, talk strategy in the back for their Retribution match. Uh, didn't need to be a long talk. <laughs> Riddle rocks up with a box of bro-nuts. Uh, then he leaves because of that. Both of them are just like, oh, we're busy. They're like... Cool, <laughs> pops. A Schreiber then waddles on What is that noise? Cool, the boiler behind me is now making noise as well. <laughs> My house is having an interesting night. Uh, but yes, uh, Riddle then goes away. Sarah Schreiber then waddles on in. Tonight, Richard and Dana are going to show Slapjack and Reckoning what real change is about. Uh, Dana owes Reckoning 1 after her black eye from a few weeks ago, from before Survivor Series. So yeah. yeah. They've not forgotten something, they've not completely dropped it, and then just brought Dana back when Mandy's fit. No, there's like Dana Brooke, she's become fit quicker. She goes after a Yim. Uh, but we got Sh- Slapjack and Reckoning versus Ricochet and Dana Brooke. Rec- and uh, Retribution come out immediately. First sentence out of me. The state of your act, mate. <laughs> dead on arrival. Weeks later, still dead. Uh, again, I'm sticking with my prediction of Retribution's like... True death, as in, they're done now, no one takes them an ounce of seriousness. Uh, when they're Royal Rumble fodder, that's my prediction. Maybe, not even all of them, maybe just one or two, and Mustafa Ali. And they're all eliminated with ease. Maybe Ali's surviving a little bit later. He may even get one elimination, even on Ricochet, the way that this arc is going. But they're pretty much lower card nothing. So, hooray! Thank you for wasting my time. This <laughs> is what. It felt like crap thrown at a wall, and then they've, in, uh, in post, tried to create something with the crap that was there. And this is what they've come up with. But there was no plan ever. It was just making it up as they went along, and now they've got a crap gimmick on TV. <laughs> Which. It's their own fault. But yeah. I mean, like, in terms of retribution, if losing every week ain't already done it, on top of what. Everything. <laughs> it's just, yeah, they, for me, they're, they're jobbers in the making. It's one of those ways. To look at it and go. Mercedes Martinez dodged a bullet. <laughs> How am I getting out of that? Uh, well, she's not doing anything now, but oh, she's not in this. A. Uh, it, but anyway, this mixed tag with uh, started off with Dana facing Mia, uh, O'Shea facing Slapjack. Uh, Yim's finally got something to do. That doesn't mean it's any good. Uh, The biggest insult as Ali shouts at Ricochet, You belong with us! Oh, has he fallen that far? Uh, Reckoning distracted and Brooke pins her in under two minutes. Uh, It's like, oh my, like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Ali yells at them in anger, like, I told you what would happen if you lost again to these guys. As my timeline Twitter rejoices, like, is... Is this the end of Retribution? Are they... Are they done? No. (laughs) There... Next week, the same thing will happen and Mustafa Ali will have the same anger rant. Slowly what this is becoming. Uh, Keith Lee is not buying Sheamus' happy friendship with Drew either. There's a quick backstage segment. Establishing that. was all of Keith Lee on this night. And uh, he fully expects the man to turn. So again, now we're getting opinions of people not even involved in that title little area. to giving their opinion. But Keith Lee's got his friendship with Drew McIntyre from when Sheamus was on SmackDown. It's a nice little remembering that that's a thing. <laughs> so yeah. Then we got Miss TV. Then over to Kofi Kingston versus Shelton Benjamin. Uh, this week in WWE wrestlers can only face the same people over and over and over. It's time for New Day versus Hurt Business. Uh, so at this time two of WWE's vets in Shelton and Kofi going at it in a stiff contest. A great telly match just like last week. It's just... Aren't they allowed to wrestle anyone else? <laughs> like an even contest until Shelton got knocked to the outside. Just making the 10 count and right into a trouble in paradise. Kofi picked up the win, but as the tag champions celebrate on the ramp, Cedric Alexander was having none of it, making the challenge to beat Kofi just as he did Woods last week. And impromptu matchup, here we come. Kofi Kingston versus Cedric Alexander was after that. Uh, hurt business getting another win, but it's on a worn-down Kofi, who impressed in the first match. Uh, For me, I like this. I know a lot of people, it it just shone of WWE's 50-50 booking, where both people win, both people lose, no one gets over, is the criticism. Uh, For me, you showed the kind of heart of uh, Kofi Kingston to to win that first match and to keep going in this one, but the damage from the first match was what Cedric capitalised on. Where countering Alexander off the top, Kingston's hop back down had him limping and Cedric the business boy was right in there with a lumbar check. Uh, Hurt Business staying in there as the one and only contender for those Raw Tag Team Championships. Yeah. As in, even if they win and the Hurt Business become Tag Team Champions, which I feel like has been coming. They're... uh, Who else are they going to (laughs) face? There is no... Just like with the women, like... Who does he face? Like who, like who, they've got to face a new day, you're Like, are there any other tag teams on Raw right now? That you're going to see this cycle, keep, this isn't the end of it, isn't this cycle keep on going? So, yeah. Anyway, after that we got the handicap match and then Nia Jax versus Lana was set up for next week. Uh, Lana pleads for help from a blazer clad Asuka Insert Shayna Blazer pun. <laughs> the champion amps up her tag partner to believe in herself But as soon as she left Naya was there to put an angry face at the blonde lass So yeah, Asuka there as the champion amping up her tag team partner who's starting to believe But no, it's Naya and she's gonna get Lana. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, after that, Sheamus with his uh, little fight. Uh, and then Bobby Lashers versus Jeff Hardy. Some more hurt business. Uh, Riddle had an idea for Jeff in Gorilla before the match. The Hardy Bros. Riddle has ideas, <laughs> but his timing is awful. Uh, Jeff's got to go for a match, mate. Just, like, let him go. Yeah, Hardy faced the power of the US champion. Uh, not particularly faring well until Riddle van interference and evened the business odds. Uh, suddenly we had a nice even match on our hands. Uh, both men with their share of offense. The desperation in MVP a nice touch as he called for the hurtlock. Uh, Hardy edged closer uh, after successfully na- nailing the twist of fate, but Lashers saw the swanton and quickly followed up with a mighty spear. The hurtlock finally in and the message was sent. Riddle attempting to make the save as the hold wasn't broken but MVP was there to halt Riddle from getting in and have the lock-in for a certain amount of time before they celebrated on the ramp and ate the bro-nuts! Yeah, it was a fine little segment. There were quite a few matches on this week's Raw, which went about five minutes or so. And they moved their little stories about, but none of them felt like they mattered. Does that makes any sense? Like I was watching things take place, I was like, oh, they might set up a match, or this might you know, progress to the next thing in this story. But it doesn't feel like this story matters, like there's no weight between the things I'm watching. And uh, this was like the third match of the night that had that feeling to me. And it was right before the main event as well, so it feels like filler because of the card placement. Uh, really it's the, you're setting up Matt Riddle versus Bobby Lashley without straight up giving us that match having them interact a little bit more from interacting backstage to interacting out at the ringside area to eventually get teal seats in the ring. But yeah, I'm fine with that. That's much for me that's much better than New Day versus the Hurt business every single week <laughs> and they can only face those two singles matches. Like Bobby Lashley has faced Jeff Hardy who isn't in this rivalry. Thumbs up. I like that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I mean when I, uh, when I talk about AW facing somebody else Like that's the kind of match you would get in AW Is you get a respected veteran going up against a character who's got a lot of momentum behind them like Bobby Lashley does and by defeating the veteran he gets a lot of, he gets even more momentum and the person he's facing is out there, he's at ringside, he's on commentary whatever comes out afterwards or what have you uh, all cuts a promo on him earlier in the night, uh, whatever it is but they don't face each other and that's kind of like the main point for me. Anyway, uh, after that, uh, again, apologies for the sound. For some reason, at 20 past midnight, my boiler's turned on, so I need to see, <laughs> after to signed off here, I need to see what's going on there. Uh, we got one of the weirdest ad break lead-ins. Uh, Orton thought he heard his locker room door, but it was, uh, no, wait, no. Oh, wait, it's Rambling Rabbit. Letting him know how excited Bray is for their match. And uh, that was followed by Phillips going into the ad break with uh, with a... Uh, yeah. Yeah, that followed by commentary. Kind of, and then that match-up is up next. It was sure an interesting piece of production. <laughs> As in, very visibly, Autumn wait for his cue, go to the door, looks fine, hmm, he's not there, turns back, and then the rabbit's there. It's like, hmm, this, that was interesting. That <laughs> felt, felt very student level, <laughs> but it's on national television. A little bit weird. But anyway, that led us into the main event. And set the tone for what was going to be a weird clash of Sirius and Funhouse. Randy Orton versus Funhouse Bray Wyatt in the main event. Fair to say, Orton up against the whole unique aura of the Funhouse was sure an interesting clash of characters. Uh, Both men out uh, out there about control. Just in such different ends of the spectrum. A... uh, Coast contender for the ad break leading uh, trophy of the night, uh, Bray Wyatt snatched Byron's headset and excitedly just shouted, "Yowie, wowie, we'll be right back!" <laughs> After like a uh, back body drop to the announce table, <laughs> I which I thought was—I mean, we've got two nominees for the weirdest ad break lead. One made me laugh. One made me go, "That was a bit crap." <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we got contenders tonight, though. Uh, when we came back, it was a stompy stomp on Bray time from Randy Orton. Uh, But as soon as Orton reached his apex to hit the RKO, uh, the lights flickered down for the Fiend. Orton nailing the move anyway, I like that in terms of showing his confidence, continuing his refusal to surrender control. Uh, But when the lights flickered back up, they were red lights. And the Fiend was beneath him, Uh, startled, he then gets mandible clawed down to the mat as the show goes off air, with the Fiend choking out Randy Orton. Is that Orton realising reality that the Fiend really is a different beast and he really was all along, not the one in control. Or, is he still Randy Orton? He's like, well, you just attacked me from behind. That's not that special. We'll wait and see. <laughs> we'll wait. Or the entire point of fighting Wyatt was to bring out the Fiend. We've had that before as well. Yeah, Personally, I like the idea of Orton thinking he's in control, but he's not. I like that idea, to really get The Fiend over. And for me, Randy Orton's done a really good job this year of essentially elevating everybody else. Like, he's had an amazing year personally with what he has been doing. But he's uh, also elevated others really, really well. And that's really what's made him shine even brighter this year for me. Uh, outside the edge stuff, he's really elevated, especially Drew McIntyre. Their feud never ended. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's good to say. I can joke about that now because, you know, it has ended, but it lasted for so many months. But at least, like he's elevating the people around him. Uh, Keith Lee, another example as well. And now it's the fiend, drew, uh, fiend Drew back it It's the fiend Bray Wyatt getting that next elevation moment from him. Uh, personally, yeah, have him get shown up as like you were never actually the one in control, Randy. The fiend was always exacting his revenge or whatever they're painting it up to be. So, yeah. So in terms of like the build for TLC, it's building relatively nicely. Things are going all right, I say. Uh, I've seen some people get really excited for the card. For me, it's like, yeah, it looks it looks pretty solid. I will say, because for my thumbnail for my NXT column, which was about how uh, AEW's show last week kind of made me look at NXT a bit differently, I did think that uh, with NXT, I put on there that I didn't give a crap about Wargames. I will say they've done a decent enough job where I care about TLC, like the SmackDown side as well, doing a decent job, especially with their main event. It's uh, they're doing a decent job on the card, like the top end especially looking pretty solid. Like Randy Orton vs. The Fiend does interest me. So does Roman Reigns, Kevin Owens. So does AJ Styles, Drew McIntyre. Like there are matches on there I want to see, and it's like it's got WrestleMania in sight. Royal Rumble is in the background here, and I like the all the different parts at play, and the numbers growing against Drew McIntyre as like the serious end of WWE's calendar approaches. It's a a lot of positives going into TLC, especially in their main event scene. They're reaping the rewards of this past year. Putting in the time and effort to really build these characters. uh, Have them be consistent in what they are as characters. Now they're going to reap those rewards. And I feel like TLC is like the final stopping point of then launching into WrestleMania season. So uh, that's why I'm I'm looking forward to TLC. Also, it's my Christmas (laughs) pay-per-view. so. Uh, that's another reason, I guess, as well. It's on Christmas week. It's 20th of January. So the Sunday before Christmas. It's... Uh, I don't know. It's got... Uh, it's partly because of lockdown as well. It's just... That's the Christmas pay-per-view. And it's like a nice little thing that'll be taking place when we're all still locked in. And if I'm right, that'll be taking place at the baseball stadium as well. Because they're moving. So I'm assuming I'm su- that's just where it's going to be. Anyway, that was One Night War. As a show overall, pretty mediocre. Uh, yet again... Packed full of repeat matches. Uh, as I said, there were three matches in there which felt like I just had no weight to them. I was just watching a thing happen with nothing behind it. Retribution are that now. They've got, there's nothing to them. I don't care. Like, they are skip. Like, if I wasn't writing a review, or doing this, or making notes or anything, I would just skip it, because it doesn't matter. <laughs> that is, what they've told me is this group are nothing. So why would I take any of my time on it? Uh, obviously, I do review, so I have to. <laughs> and then the other part of it is like uh, again the Bobby Lashley Jeff Hardy match because of the card placement for me that set up middle Lashley relatively fine for me, like elevating it past being a backstage bit. I thought it was good as well. Uh, but like again, the main event stuff like the Fiend and Randy Orton stuff I'm digging, and the WWE Championship stuff I'm digging. So it's those two things. But on a three-hour show, there's two things that I'm into, and everything else for me feels like it just doesn't matter. so and overall on this show there was a lot of building blocks and when most of your show is stuff that doesn't really feel like it matters that much again hope it's a new day putting on fantastic matches it's just that they're facing each other every single week and now I'm done with it I don't want to see them wrestle again but you know exactly where this is going they've got to do the tag team championship match which will be good but because I've not seen them wrestle anybody else (laughs) so yeah yeah, and uh, yes, uh, from the chat, that it is hard to predict TLC this, because they're putting, they're telling you of all the different dynamics that are at play, all the different possibilities, and the characters that are there, especially on the uh, Raw side with Drew McIntyre, and the shameless being that, well, Willie won't he? Uh, I mean, you, you've got what you would hope to happen, but it is, uh, just to put it out there, it is an element. like It's a thing that could happen. You've got Mrs. Money in the bank, you've got Ahmed Bahin, what's going to happen with him? You've got, uh, again, Miz and Morrison. Will they just interfere? There's a lot of things at play, and I really like that. And Keith Lee, even he made his notice (laughs) to uh, Seamus as well. He's also there. So, yeah, there's lots of things at play. So I I reckon I'll enjoy it. Maybe mostly because it'll be Christmas week, so I'll be in a good mood. And I know after that I'm going to have two weeks off. (laughs) So that also helps as well. Uh, But, yeah, really looking forward to it. Anyway... That is the end of the Raw review. I've got through that pretty quickly as well. I would say as well, in terms of watching the show, even though I felt like this was a very mediocre Raw, it's miles better than the Raw's than when I started doing these reviews uh, like a few months ago. Purely because the amount of segments. I'll bring that up again. There were eight in-ring segments this week, and for me, that's a perfectly fine number for three hours. NXT normally looking at six. Which for me that's perfect for them when NXT starts to go up a bit in numbers past six. I was like, we mm, got a lot of throwing throwing throwaway matches on this. <laughs> but with uh Psychansal with the in Capitals <laughs> It was gonna have New Year and Christmas. It'll be back afterwards, don't worry. Uh, with Vessel Kingdom. But yeah, this one is uh yeah, so this more review... you I've got nothing else to say, Psychancil <laughs> uh, but yeah, so with more when it's when it's this many segments, for me it flows so much better. And as soon as they killed Raw Underground, I was just applauding it. You're just cutting out the number of smaller segments, and I think we've had like six, seven, eight segments for like three weeks now. And Raw has been infinitely more watchable. And it might even be a month now where they've had that number of in ring segments. And again, no 24 7 championship, no Raw Underground. And it's just like it's helped so much. The show feels so much better for me to watch as like an overflowing thing. Uh, so, yeah. I just want to make that note. Even though I thought this week was mediocre, I still found it way easier to watch than those other worlds that I was. Because the segments were in double figures. Which means they're all short, quick fire. There's lots of stuff going on. And for a three hour show, that bloody knackers you. <laughs> uh, so I really was not enjoying this review at that point. But, even though I've called this mediocre... I would say it's not really a special show. You could even just not watch it. You're not going to miss anything really. It's, it's stuff bubbling. Like the stories you're interested in are bubbling. Uh, it might be another week just to check it out on YouTube, like I said it was last week. Which means they have been good. For, they've been easy for me to watch for four weeks straight. So yeah, good, good job, WWE. <laughs> they at least flow so much better than they were. Even if I'm not particularly super invested in what's happening, I'll give them that positive. Vastly improved over uh, the past few months, uh, for what they've been doing for the past few years. (laughs) So massive kudos. Again, reaping the rewards of all that work put into the character stuff. Anyway, that is the end of the Raw review. Which, uh, yes, has flown by. Uh, I'll be back on Thursday for the NXT review. I've been streaming on Twitch as well, I've streamed for the past two nights uh, playing Death Stranding. And for some reason, uh, people are jumping in and watching me that game, so... Continue to plug it, that's over at the Implications with 2S's over on, I think it's 2S's, over on Twitch. i currently playing Death Stranding, uh, so it's currently on sale, so I thought, yeah, why not, end of your stuff. Uh, also, I will be, uh, I think I'll be joining Ash uh, aka Wrestling Shorts tomorrow on his Twitch channel, if you want to check me out on that. Yeah, also, here on uh, Wrestling Headlines, what have we got, I forgot what the name, I was just going to quickly get up the video, I forgotten what the running, it's a new running series on Wrestling Headlines. With I uh, see Lucha Joe's Daily News Wrap. Forgotten what Lucha Joe called it? Yeah, a quick little video uh, on a Daily News little thing from Lucha Joe. If you want to go and watch that uh, little di- little video thing, there'll be a new one up tomorrow. Nice little bite-sized chunks uh, full of gags and Lucha things. <laughs> oh, I-, I made a note to say the Lucha things bit. Uh, I've done it, so I did it. I did the plug and I said Lucha things. Hold on me. Anyway, uh, with that, I say thank you for watching. Please join for the NXT review this Thursday. The answer is yes, there will be an Aftershock for TLC, there was not an Aftershock for War Games uh, purely because of December fatigue, kind of keeping that in check. Last year I did cover Aftershock and I paid the price. This year, no Aftershock for Takeover, but I will be doing TLC. So you have got to manage the fatigue. It's not wise to have so many late nights in Christmas month where things get a lot busier. Uh, anyway. I'll be back on Thursday. If you want more of me, you can go uh, to my Twitter, at the Dam that's damn as in damn. You can go to my uh, Twitch, which I need to remember to plug on <laughs> all the things. I forgot to put it in the column. I'm still learning. And with that, and my lukewarm tea, and yes, goodbye in the chat. Uh, with that, I bid you adieu. Adios. Mmm. That's cold. <laughs> Toodles. Toodles. <laughs>